And the Bible says that the Lord is the great physician. And as he is the great physician, the church is supposed to be the hospital. Right? Sometimes things can be messy in a hospital. Sometimes we can look at what the doctors are doing and think, I don't understand that. Right? Hospital can be messy. But it's... I I, I wanted... Anissa, to leave this, I think this is the bridge, I think, might be the chorus, (laughs) bridge chorus, whatever, same thing, A, B, C, D. (laughs) I wanted her to leave this up because just like when you go to a hospital, you seek the truth of what is ailing you, when we come before the Lord in church, When we come before the Lord, not just on Sunday morning, but any time we come before the Lord in a group, we seek answers. We seek truth. But what does this say? We just sang this. It's the understanding that the Holy Spirit is here. It's the understanding that the position is here, right? This is still my heart. You all just sang this. This is the preparation for that position. Still my heart, Lord. Let your voice be all I hear now. Fix my eyes on the things I can't see. Spirit breathe like the wind. Come have your way. Is this your cry this morning? If this is your cry, the Bible says, seek Him, you will find Him. If you go after Him, you'll find Him. So I want to tell you a story about something that you may or may not be aware of, and I don't want to embarrass Him. But it's so awesome to me. See, you, you guys don't know Charles, who came this morning, who drove two hours to be here. See, I know the tragedies that have come in Charles' life. He's come because of his love for Jesus Christ. He has come because, like all of us, and to be an example to all of us, you have to lay down what makes you feel uncomfortable. You have to lay down the predetermined things that you have set in your mind as to how the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. Do you know one of the greatest things that comes in the way of Jesus Christ doing a pure work in our lives is our tradition. It goes all the way back to the religious spirit. How we choose to step if we allow Him to take our foot and step 
Or if we step in our path and just say, join me, God. There's a difference. See, what we're going to be talking about this morning is being steadfast. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to begin here and then we're going to end up in James shortly. But 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to start at verse 50. It talks about a time that is coming. We all know this. We've all talked about this. This isn't anything new. We understand, most of us anyways, when, when you hear the word rapture and Jesus coming to take his bride. First of all, if you've never heard that, you've probably not been here before. <laughs> or not listening, I don't know what I'm doing. But as he readies his bride, when his bride is ready, he will come and take his bride home. We'll meet him in the clouds in the twinkling of an eye. That's what this is beginning to talk about. Paul reminds the church of what's going to happen. Let's start in verse 50. And before we do, let me pray. Father, we worship you. We thank you that you are the great physician. We thank you that you are a detailed physician. One that knows our heart. For Father, I can't know everyone's heart. But you can. And it's your words that pierce, not mine. So Father, I submit myself to your will this morning. I give my mouth to you. I give my words to you. I give my thoughts to you. I invite you to take over every aspect of who I am. Father, that you might speak through, that you might meet the needs of the people that are listening. Father, that you might meet my needs. For I simply sit and listen just as they do. So take my words and make them, make, make my mouth yours, that every word that comes out is yours and not mine. Not a single word. To be mine, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Verse 50 begins like this. I'm reading out of the ESV. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Or not all pass from this life. But we shall all be changed. Now Paul is speaking to those who have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart. Those who are identified with Christ. Those who are his bride. Those who are saved. But we shall all be changed. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. In other words, this decaying body will be raised in a body that will not decay. Verse 53. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. 
When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death, it says here, is sin. And the power of sin is the law. For it was the law that was brought about to reveal sin in man. To reveal a need for a Savior. Verse 57, But thanks to God, be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the verse I want to focus on, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What does that, what does that mean? Let's read it again. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I'm sure if I talk about the interview process, I, I would think almost everybody in here has been through an interview to get a job, right? To, I mean, except for maybe little kids that are downstairs. I would hope everybody's been through that. (laughs) Right? What you do is you go into this process. You want to be part of this company. You want to be uh, something, whatever they're doing, you want to become a part of. And not just so you receive whatever benefits they have. But hopefully it's to become part of something that makes a difference. Now, that doesn't mean that some of us just don't go get a job to get money. I understand that. It's really not how it's supposed to be. Right? Because what you become a part of is whatever they represent. So when we go to interview, we want to be a part of what they're doing. We want the benefits of what they have to offer. And we're willing to give our time, our effort... The larger part of who we are because of how much time works, work takes, right? See, I've said this before, but, but often, I, I, I'm gonna say 99.9% of the Christians don't truly understand what this life is. Because this life is an interview. We've talked about it before. This life is an interview for the life that is to come. When we're to get that imperishable body. The relationship that you have with Jesus Christ right now. And to the point of you breathing your last breath. Is the the relationship that you will have with Him. In your first breath in the afterlife. See, it's the same when he comes to take his bride home. The relationship at that point that you have with Jesus Christ is what you step into eternity with. Because this life is the interview. 
we think of this life as being the all in all. That's why it's easy to get caught up into things that we get slowed down in in this life. Man, and it, you, you know me. I, I've been there. I've been in that seat. Right? I'm, I'm not a lifetime pastor. I, I even have a hard time sometimes thinking of myself as a pastor. You know that. I guess it happens when God calls you at 50 years old. <laughs> So I understand what it means to have a career that you're pouring into to bring something into your family, to bring a better life, to bring all the things that we want or think that we need for this life. I understand that. But the moment I began to understand that the life coming is so much more important than this life, and yet it is dependent upon this life. God began to open my eyes. Matthew 6.33, our foundational verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You know, He didn't say to seek Him once we're with Him. He said to seek Him amongst The difficulties. Seek Him when it's tough to seek Him. Seek Him in this life where we can't see Him. We can't go over to His house, knock on His door and say, Hey, can I sit down and have a cup of coffee with you? And by the way, wouldn't that be awesome? I think that will be some awesome coffee. Oh, wow. Okay, we need a deliverance right over there. But see, in this life, when you understand that He is literally more accessible than that, then you're beginning down a path of understanding who He is. See, I don't have to go down the street and knock on the door and see if He's home. Because I am His home. He is with me. But because He is with me doesn't mean that I don't have to knock and invite Him to spend that time with me. So this life, and I I don't want to go down this rabbit trail, but I'll mention it. This life is an interview because what happens in this life will affect the next life. If you don't believe me, go to Revelation 3, verse 25, and say, to those who conquer, to those who conquer, we will rule with Him. See, not everybody. Not all those who are saved. Your pedigree of accepting Jesus Christ into your heart does not bring you close to Jesus Christ. And I know we know this. But sometimes we intellectually can understand that. But when it comes right down to the doing, we separate it somehow. That's what the church does. That's what the church has done for years. Not understanding that the relationship Jesus Christ wants in this lifetime is no different than the relationships we build with each other. It takes effort. It takes time. And this interview process 
requires a steadfastness. I love this picture because, and you've all seen it, I know my dad has a poster, I think, of, of one of these, where where these lighthouses are out in the middle of, of uh, uh, you know, off the coast, and they get these just humongous waves. And and one of the ones that I, I've seen he has is, is this, I mean, giant wave just coming over this entire lighthouse. And you see this guy standing outside of the lighthouse on the opposite side. It's extraordinary. Now, I'm sure just a moment later he stepped in. <laughs> or he was gone, I don't know. But the point was the wave didn't get him. The point was that that lighthouse was so steadfast, so sturdy, that it stood up against the wave. Because it wasn't just one wave. It's constant. In this life, the trials that we go through are constant. Now, praise God, we have seasons. We have seasons of trial. We have seasons of joy. And that's kind of how we compartmentalize. Well, you know, I'm, I'm in a season of trial right now, and I'm looking forward to that season of joy. I hate to tell you this. That's not the Word of God. Do you know where to have joy even in those difficult seasons? We're to have joy through the entire thing. Or, or let me say it this way. We can have joy through the whole thing. We can have that peace that doesn't make sense. The peace that pass, surpasses all understanding. We can have that through the difficult times. I want you to turn to James chapter 1. Because this is really the crux of what we want to talk about this morning. This idea of steadfast and why that is so important. Why is it important for Ignition Church? We all know that Ignition Church has a calling on it. We've all talked about that. We've, we've heard what the Lord said about that. So why is it important to be steadfast? Isn't it a guaranteed thing? If we just wait long enough and are still breathing, that God will bring that to us? No, God doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way with you individually either, or me. See, if I am just waiting for Him to do something in my life, then I'm not understanding the lesson. I'm not understanding the relationship. Because that relationship is supposed to be the same. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's high, whether it's low, it doesn't matter. Let's begin at verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That's that immovable strength. That steadfastness, that word there in the Greek is hippomone. It means a cheerful endurance, not just an endurance. Because have you ever gone through something and you just want to live through it and you just want to hunker down and and not talk to anybody, not deal with anything. You just want it to go by. It's not what it's talking about. That's not the kind of endurance it's talking about. Just to get through something. 
There's a portion of that word, hippomon, that means cheerful. Cheerful endurance. A constancy. An enduring faith. A patience. Verse 4. And let this constant faith, this cheerful endurance, this steadfastness, have its full effect. Now remember, remember the cycle here. It's said in verse 2, Be happy, count it joy when you meet these trials of all kinds, all kinds of trials. For you know that the testing of your faith, the mere going through those trials, produces this steadfastness. And in that steadfastness, we're, as we learn that we're to let it take its full effect. It says in verse 4, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Period. See, we're to let this trial that we go through, and we go through that endurance with patience, with cheerfulness, no matter how hard it is. And, and, and by the way, it doesn't mean that you're going through a sad situation and just with a smile and laugh. That's not asking you to lie about your feelings. It's not what he's talking about. That's not even what cheerfulness means. Because cheerfulness has a main ingredient called hope. When you have hope, you have the cheerfulness of, of God doing something through it. I know, I know most of us, if we have something that we would go after, but there's a difficulty to get there, but yet we know what would happen on the other side, then we're willing to go through that, right? And, and boy, there's a million, million examples of that. You know, the whole working out thing. I hate to say that because then, you know, I'm kind of accountable to that, but. <laughs> But you know what else pops in my mind? I actually had this question recently about creation. Why do we go and set up this ridiculous camp? I'm, okay, well, okay, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what I thought they were meaning. Why do we do that? Why do we do that for just five days? Well, there you go. It looks good. <laughs> No, why? It's because of what we get to reap from it. I would do it for three days. Maybe not two. I would do it because of what is reaped from it. When you are in your life and you're going after Jesus Christ, what is what are you willing to do? What are you willing to give to reap the benefits of that relationship with Him? See, that's what it's talking about. This steadfastness of going through the trials of our faith, which I think the Lord is bringing this up because we're going through that. We're going through that individually. We're going through that as a church. He wants to build this steadfastness. Why? Because He needs us to be complete. And by the way, that that word perfect there means complete. This completion of that process, why? Because he needs people ready to do his work. And there's a cost to doing his work. There's a cost to doing things that we do in this world. 
Right? There's a cost to being a doctor. There's a cost to being a nurse. Shannon understands the hours of study. And others in here understand the hours of sacrifice that it takes to be prepared to do a certain thing. See, as we interview in this life, God is preparing us not only to do that in this life. You ever think that maybe this life is literally preparing you to rule with Him? What makes you think that just because we become out of this body and we're given a glorified body and we're with Him, what makes you think that immediately, all of a sudden, for, for no reason, unearned, we have this wisdom to answer like Christ would answer. See, the Word of God says we'll rule with Him. It doesn't mean we're just His communicator. It doesn't mean that we're, we're sitting there as, as a judge would rule. And, and uh, hold on, hold on, let me, let me call Jesus. Jesus, I got this case here. What do you think? That's not what it means. It means that you will be prepared to rule with Him. You will be prepared to judge angels. You will be prepared to judge others. How? It's because you're, pre- you're prepared right here. It says that we're to have the mind of Christ. See, we're not given the mind of Christ when we die. Bing, you have the mind of Christ. Now we're to develop the mind of Christ. How can that happen? It only happens in relationship with Him. It only happens when we literally give Him our mind and allow Him. You know, Paul said, I die daily. I die every day to myself that He might do His work in me. That is the transforming of our mind. That's what He is doing in this life. That's what He's doing in this church. Preparing us for our calling in this life, but on a grander scale, preparing us for our calling in the next. Verse 5, He talks about the process of going through these Trials of various kinds of producing this steadfast because he knows that when we're involved in that, when we're in that, we're going to have difficulty. We're going to have questions. We're going to be in moments where we don't understand. And and Lord, I'm not sure how to step forward in this. And you've all been there and many of us are there now. Where, where, Lord, I, I don't know exactly what you want me to do. I don't know exactly where to step. I just want to know what you want. So he says, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. But by the way, you know what that means, without reproach? It literally means that he gives it without saying, Man, I love it. I can't believe they're asking again. That's literally what it means. It, it means that he gives it with joy. Not with, are they going to get it this time? 
So he gives this, if we ask, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. But then he adds a caveat in there. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven by, driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything, anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. Unstable in all his ways. See, when we ask the Lord for guidance, when we ask the Lord for wisdom, it's predicated upon our faith. It's predicated upon our willingness to believe that He will answer us. Do you believe that if you ask Him, He will tell you? Do you believe that if you ask for wisdom, he'll give you wisdom? To make choices that literally are life-changing. You know, we can run from that and be afraid of that. And by the way, that's a very normal thing. That's, that's how the world operates. Oftentimes, pulling back from something that is difficult... Because they don't have the answer. They don't have the wisdom for it. So it's easier to push it off. But do you believe in that instance that if you ask for God's wisdom, He'll give it to you? Because if you don't, He said, why would you suppose that you would receive that wisdom? Let me take it one step further. If you don't believe that God will speak to you. If you don't believe that you can have a relationship with Him where there is that back and forth conversation, if you don't believe that's even possible, why would He give it to you? Why would He give it to you? Because the very currency that is required to purchase that Relationship is faith. He said, those who would go back and forth on believing that, why, why would I give them the wisdom? Why would I give them what they need? Because when I do, they're not going to use it as they're supposed to. Where's that put us in our lives? See, this morning is a just a simple thought. He wants us to be steadfast. He wants us to be immovable. He wants us to be ready. Why? Because those waves are going to hit. And I'm not just talking about your life. This is so beyond just your life. You know, Jesus said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. That's the, that's the first commandment. But he said the second is like unto it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. But what is that? See, we always think, okay, well, I don't really love myself. So I guess I, it doesn't really apply to me. 
Because if I don't love myself, then why do I need to love my neighbor? But see, we, we forget a portion that it says right before that. And the second, like unto it. See, do you understand you're supposed to love each other the same way? You're supposed to love each other with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Now why? It's because the physical relationships, the, the, the part of this earth where we can build a relationship with somebody that we see, that we know, that we can speak to, begins to open doors to that very thing with Jesus Christ. I would dare say, if you do not build relationships on this earth, you're going to have a tough time expecting that you can build one with Jesus Christ. You could believe Him. You could worship Him. You can, you can understand His statutes. You can acknowledge mentally what He says in His Word. But that's different than sitting down and having a cup of coffee with Him. I know that sounds funny. But I'm here to tell you, five years ago I didn't think it was possible. But today I do it every morning. I do it throughout the day. It's because that relationship that you can build with Jesus Christ is no different than the relationship that you can build with others, except for the fact that He died for you. And He is God. And He loves you more than anyone ever could. Who wouldn't want a relationship like that? Everybody would. So what's the disconnect? I think the disconnect is what we just read. What we just read, the, the, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. When you go through these difficulties in life. See, we equate that with bad. When we go through a difficult thing, we think punishment. We think this isn't how it's supposed to be. But he's saying count it all joy. How do you count it all joy when you lose your job? Right? How do you count it all joy... When your whole world turns upside down because you lose somebody that you love. How do you count it all joy when everything you worked for and poured into this company or this hope or this dream all changes? See, the only way to answer that is to back away from it and see that it's really not about this life. It's about building relationship in this life as an interview for the next. And just understand, I always picture Jesus with these open arms and He is just waiting 
to receive that relationship with you. Do you see that? Because he, honestly, he is not a difficult person to have a relationship with. The difficult part that takes the faith is that what we recognize in the flesh. You know, I can't go over to Jesus and, hey, Jesus, how you doing? needs longer hair to be Jesus. <laughs> so how do you get beyond that? It's by recognizing by faith. Recognizing by faith that that's exactly what he wants. He wants that time. He wants you to believe that the relationship with him is more real than that. See, I can't talk to Josh all the time. I mean, we could text. But see, there's a point where he's got to sleep, or I've got to sleep. I know you don't get a lot of that lately, but... See, with Jesus, he's always there. Because Jesus, who became a man, who lived as a man, who still is a man, yet now has a glorified body. He doesn't need to sleep. And His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, who can be with us all, by me developing a relationship with Him, I'm not taking anything away from His time with you. How awesome is that? See, what each of us can have is not dependent on the other in terms of relationship with Jesus, except for the revealing in the first place. You cannot build a deep relationship with Jesus Christ without doing the second commandment, which is building that with each other. And forgive me, but he keeps telling me to uh, just be done with that point. His exact words were, stop beating a dead horse. (laughs) Let that sink in. Let it sink in because it's that steadfastness that will prepare you for what he has for your life. It's that steadfastness that will prepare us as a church for when those doors are open as a hospital. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. We trust you. We love you. And God, you said to count it all joy when we go through these trials, when we go through these difficulties. And God, I thank you that we don't have to go through these things alone, but that we can go through them with you. We can develop this friendship, this best friendship with you that promises to guide and direct. You said that when we seek wisdom and we seek it in full faith, you'll give it. 
Father, I just pray that over every single person here, every single person listening online. Because you have amazing plans for each individual life in here. You have amazing plans that you want to work through your church, through your bride, through Ignition Church. But we must give you this faith, knowing that what you said you would do, you would do. Bless us this morning, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. That verse is so near and dear to my heart, First Corinthians 15, 58. Um, it's my dad's life verse. And our upbringing was different in that there was a lot of legalism and um, a heavy religious spirit, but my, my father loved the Lord so much. And so perhaps he didn't fully grasp it, although he certainly does now because he's with Jesus. And um, recently I was at a family reunion where I shared that verse that he um, that was his life verse, and it, it it means so much to me on so many layers, but I, I love the, the take on it this morning. And one thing that just really hit me that is a sad reality as, as it pertains to the status of the bride, the church today of Christians, and that is that, you know, we see these... Um, these radical Muslims, these radical Islamic terrorists and people of that faith, and they, the passion and the, the drive and the force that they have, so fully understanding that what they believe and what they believe about this life is all about the next life. And what a shame to, to have the bride so complacent and so, um, lost in deception under, a, under a, a religious spirit that we don't think that because we have the truth that we have to have that kind of passion. Um, you know, a lot of times the enemy gets more credit when it comes to passion because all the radicals are radical for a faith that isn't even the one true God. You know, the Bible tells us that there is one God. There is one um, one faith, that the true God, the, the Most High Jehovah. And it's, um, it's a shame that, that a false ideology can invoke more passion for an understanding that this life is not what it's, what it's about, but it's the next life that it's all about. And of course, in some of their faiths, it's about, you know, as many brides as they get or whatever, uh, especially if they give their life for their faith. And, um, oh, how we ought to, really take a look at that and think, you know, we have the true God. Are we willing to take any steps, much less give our lives in persecution? But most of us won't even take a stand with our employer to give more to God. And and we think that we won't speak up when there's inappropriate things said to us by our friends. We won't take any kind of a stand because we feel like it's such persecution or it's just going to be so difficult. And then we have these quote, radicals that are willing to do all this for a, for a false demonic God. What a shame. Yeah, that, ought to, that ought to just drive conviction in us. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's nothing that can be passion like what God gives. And um, I was reading again the Hebrews 11, the 
the faith chapter and all those that went and, and that got it. Because if you look at Hebrews 12, verse 1, it talks about laying aside everything that easily entangles us in this life. But that verse follows all of chapter 11, all the people of faith that got it. They got what it was about to live here. They got what it was about to be here. And why are we here? And and what are we going to believe God for? And uh, that's always so convicting to me. I, I, I'm so far from where I need to be. And yet each step of faith, I'm so thankful for God's mercy, God's love. He's a gentle teacher. And he's taking me. And, and where I think I've stretched myself so far... I've only gone an inch compared to where I need to go. And how many of us would lay our entire lives down for the Lord? You know, um, it's uh, it starts with, um, some of us say, well, yeah, I, I would do that if, if I actually faced that kind of persecution. Well, laying down your life doesn't start with a gun to your head. Yeah. It doesn't start there. It starts with our schedules. Yeah. It starts with our willingness to maybe get up and pray, maybe get on the evening call. It starts with... Other sacrifices that go against what our flesh desires. And so that's the way to measure how you know if you're giving your life to God. And and, and don't let guilt drive you, because that's, that's not of God either. But when you, we live our lives out of our passions. That's just the fact of it. And so whatever you're doing that's most important, that's a passion to you, you know, anything else is obligation. You do what you have to out of obligation. You do what you want to out of your passion. And you might not even be aware of it as passion. But whatever drives you to do, if you're driven to get that paycheck, then your passion is making sure that you can pay your bills and have money. And, and that's a good thing. Those are good things. But you've got to find that passion in God in order to make things that are an obligation right now turn into something that you, you enjoy. And, um, and there'll be a great light switch that'll come on when you do, because it makes the Christian life so much more fun. That's actually the theme of the retreat this year. And I don't know if she has the slide, but the passionate pursuit. And I just want to remind you, we're having people as early as this morning, Casey's friend, praise God that, that registered, um, we're accepting people all the way up until I'm able to. Um, so we'll let you know when there's a cutoff for it, but, um, encourage people to come. I mean, that's the entire theme is really um this this idea of understanding that what this life is all about is about our time with the Lord and um and I heard another preacher this week say you know making using the word industry there's actually going to be industry in heaven mm-hmm. i mean our placement we are not cloud floaters and even though we might understand that conceptually um, now, there may be some cool cars in heaven that look like clouds that will be floating. Who knows? Maybe the flying cars will come then. But there will be industry. There will be placement. There will be um, employment. There will be ruling and reigning. And you see these things in scripture. And I don't think we understand that, you know, you want some of us are working our guts out to get really great careers. If we can understand that same concept as it pertains to, to heaven and the spirit realm, it will really change everything. It just changes your whole outlook. What an epiphany. And, um, and I hadn't heard that for years, years and years ago. I heard, um, uh, one of the first people I ever heard that addressed the concept of what heaven was really like, um, was only maybe 15 years ago. So my whole life, I really kind of just never, either never thought about it. Didn't want to, I mean, I wanted my fire insurance. Don't get me wrong. I wanted out of hell, but I, I didn't understand what heaven would, would be like because, and if you think you're a cloud floater, then I get that once you got your ticket, 
let's just be a good moral person. I mean, you know, like that's, what else is there? Why, why do you have to be so steadfast and unmovable? I mean, come on. You know, there's a lot of things we got to do here. But when you really get what it's about, it's just amazing. And I don't fully get it. I'm not standing here from a place of fully getting it. I just am loving that God's teaching me all the time. Because it's helping me to lay aside all those things that entangle. Because there's a lot of things you can enjoy. He gives us all things to enjoy. We just can't get entangled with it, right? Because we are here. We are here. He even loves when we get to wear fun jewelry and makeup, girls. Because uh, that's why he's, when he started Lydia's, he's like, I love these things. Don't ever put them before me. <laughs> he says, but I like these things. These are, these is, this is great. I've given you these things to enjoy. And uh, by the way, do remind um, any of your friends that are coming to the retreat, we're going to be doing a, a wonderful um, Strength for Women store. And it's an opportunity to both be a blessing, to have a, a fun opportunity to shop a little bit during the breaks, but it also is a way to, to bless the retreat because we, we offer it. And as long as God allows it, we offer it so far below its actual cost to produce the event. Um, it's If we charged you what it actually costs to, to do the event, um, it would be significantly higher. But we really just trust God that through the um, Strength for Women store and through uh, other donations that come in, we just really trust him that he's going to cover it. And he has done it every year. Um, so, um, but we do try to make it fun for you too. And, um, so be telling people that are coming about that and don't forget to, to sign up, um, if you haven't already. So 